Everybody say the word victorious. Victorious. Say it again, victorious. My subtitle is, what does it mean to become like Jesus Christ? What does it mean to become like Jesus Christ? Victorious. Jesus is completely victorious. He has defeated everything that would defeat you and me. It's completely defeated. Any sin that can have the power to hook your soul has been... There's a way in Christ for forgiveness, the gift of repentance, to remove any hook, to break any hold, to be delivered, and beyond that, to begin to become like Him. I love that when Jesus said, Come to me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And he's talking about taking burdens off. Then he says, learn from me. And when he gets to the learn part, it's not just showing up over and over, having your burdens removed. Learning of who he is, is living burden-free. That there's a next step in the depth of walking with the Lord. When you have a sensitivity to things around you that you cannot see. And you don't fall prey to them and come under them as quickly as you used to, or maybe not at all. You can have a sensitivity to confront things that begin to confront you that are invisible. And the way this works, I want to, uh, before, I want to read a little bit, and then when we get to the parts that I have with you, uh, to put them up there, but Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 24. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So there's five people or offices or whatever functions, apostles, those that are sent, prophets, those that speak and call people back to the ways of the Lord, evangelists, those who are anointed to draw people into salvation in Christ, pastors, those who bring comfort, and teachers, those who lay foundations. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. And for years and years and years, I would always hear people saying, the word equip means to train, and it doesn't. It doesn't mean to train. It means to reset a bone. To reset a bone. To mend a net. Isn't that amazing? You look up the word equip, it means to reset a bone. In other words, something's broken, and God has given people to fix it. And you can be malfunctioning your whole life and says, this is going to be fixed, but it's not going to feel good right off. Because to break a bone and reset is no fun. And that's the word equip. How many of you had dysfunctions in your life and the Lord's had to come in and reset a bone? Or mend a net. The beautiful picture of the net. I found out that the, when Jesus walks up on the disciples, they're mending the nets. Do you know they spent more time mending the nets than they did fishing? Because the net is a picture of the, that you put it under the water and you pull up fish. And what happens is they rip. And it's the most incredible picture of the soul beneath the surface. You can't see the holes in the rips. And the Lord pulls the net up out of the 
subconscious realm and puts it up on, so he'll look at all these holes in you. You leak. You can't hold anything. And he mends those areas down inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. So the verse up here, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Everybody say this last two letters. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is the vision God has for you and me as his body in these days. In these days, when everything is lunacy and delusion and confusion and deception, these days, these days, he says, we're going to measure up to the full and complete standard of Jesus. And then we'll no longer be immature like children and we'll be, won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And when the Lord's authority, with the Lord's authority, I say this. He says, and let me read it first and I'll put up the slide. It says, live... uh, It says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Would you put up this slide? This is the state of what Paul was experiencing and ministering the gospel to back in the New Testament time. This was a pre-Christian culture. And the people were, this is, this is what they looked like. Now today, does it look like this to you today? Why? Because the adversary is coming back with a vengeance. Do you know much of what was going on in the ancient world was kicked out by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It was overthrown. So we're returning to those days. And every time I open my mouth and say this, I feel like the Lord just comes in and says, don't forget my miracle power. See, there's a miracle power that meets this stuff. There's a miracle dimension that comes and rises up. Because when people are under this level of delusion, they need a lot of help. Are you there? A lot of help. There's a lot of people open doors to this kind of stuff and they've gone down a path and they don't want to be there. And everybody's encouraged them to go. And now their brokenness is overwhelming them. Their bondage is causing them to scream out. And there needs to be the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ that has power and love beyond measure and authority to help. But that isn't what you learned since you have heard about Christ. You've learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous. Let's go ahead and put these up the next slide up. He says, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Now, 
old nature, old self, self-life, old man, uh, you know, Adam nature, all that stuff. Then you come to, we are saved. And what happens is he puts a new nature in you. The new nature is Jesus Christ's spirit giving you a new self. And he says, this is what I'm going to empower you to do. Whenever the word says something to you, the power to do it comes with it. And the power to do this is not in your ability. It's in your... He, I love the, the verse in uh, uh, Philippians 2, I think it's 13. It says, he will, he, it is the Lord will give you the willingness and the power to do his good pleasure. It's him. It's him that does it. Most, hey, most of us, we have some sin that we really, really like. We've been partners with that sin for our whole life. To say goodbye to it is like a big grieving process. To let go of it is hard. And you can't do it. But he can change your heart's desires. He can scrub the graffiti out of the walls of your soul and start writing down who you are to him. And you can have your whole inner being change because of who Jesus says you are to him. How many of you want that? But how? How do we do this? How? how? First, we must know that Jesus is for us. Romans 8, 31, 32. Go ahead and read this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not he did spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So everything, you know, people, people get saved and then they go, now how am I going to do this? And it's like, okay, look, God saved you when you were a mess, but you're still a mess. Now it's not all up to you anymore. It's up to him working it in you. He's going to do it. Somebody get happy right now. Jesus comes skipping and dancing in the room and says, yes, I'm going to do it in you. Surrender. Next verse. He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. This is a very important verse because this is now Jesus has already gone to heaven. And you know, I figured his prayer life was pretty much over because he's already done it all. But Jesus' prayer life isn't over because he's living to pray for you. Well, can't he just sovereignly do stuff? He has always limited himself to partnership with man. Well, isn't God sovereign? He could just do anything he wants. He has chosen to limit himself to partnership with us. On occasion, he sovereignly moves in places and you have no ideas the years of prayer that went on that you never knew about. I love this verse because he's able to save to the uttermost. And I heard that southern preacher say, he saves to the guttermost. That's a little lower than uttermost. (laughs) Because he ever lives to make intercession. And we get to join in the prayer life of Jesus. We were here one Thursday night, 15, 20 of us, And the Lord put on our hearts to pray for all the victims of human trafficking. 
And we started praying, and I, it wasn't long after that. You were there. And we were praying, you were there. And we were praying, and we were praying in tongues, and we were praying, and groanings began to happen. And then weeping began to happen. And we cried and cried, and it was all the Holy Spirit moving for about 40 minutes. We were crying and pleading and praying. We were joining the heart of God for those innocent victims that are being abused around the world. When that 40 minutes was up, my heart was changed and I knew how Father God felt about that. It changed me. It sensitized me. It radically did something in me. I moved into praying with the one who ever lives to make intercession for us so that he could save to the uttermost. Have you ever struggled with depression or been plagued with anxiety? Has your heart been broken? Have you deeply grieved unjust treatment? Has your soul been eaten up with resentment and bitterness? Have you blamed someone else for your pain? Have you fallen prey to beating yourself up over past mistakes? Are you presently carrying any unresolved hurts? Do tormenting thoughts assault your mind? Have you felt ashamed of yourself? Do you carry feelings of rejection, assuming others don't like you? Do you hate yourself? Do you feel like something is just wrong with you? Are you afraid to tell someone your torments in fear that you'll be rejected even more? Have you tried to medicate your emotional pain only to become dependent upon something that is making your life worse? Do you feel like you're trapped in a reoccurring problem? I have to answer at one time in my life, yes, 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 yes. Can we just go ahead? I have three slides with prayers. Would you declare these prayers out there, the Word of God? Would you pray them with me? Ready? Father God, in Jesus' name, I desire to be free in Christ. Grant me the fear of the Lord, I pray, that I would love what you love and hate what you hate. According to Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Next slide. According to 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26, I pray that you would grant me repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and that I would fully come to my senses and escape every snare of the devil in my life. Free me from my captivity to him, O Lord, for I desire to do your will in my life. Next one. According to 1 John 4, 18a, there is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out fear. I worship you, Lord, and open to your perfect love for me in Christ, that it may displace every fear 
and everything else that is not of you. Thank you, Lord, that according to Psalm 138.8, you will perfect that which concerns me. Amen. So let's look at what Jesus declared about himself. And I want us to, now we've gone to where Jesus is in heaven and he's still praying, but this is what happened when he showed up that day in Nazareth, in his hometown. He picked up the scroll and I'm using the King, next slide, the King James Version. Uh, this is, uh, I like this version. It, it quotes exactly, and look up all these words, a Blue Letter Bible and other sources. And it says this, the spirit, this is what Jesus declared that day. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, I want to go ahead and say uh, the Spirit of the Lord is a specific designation. The Holy Spirit has different designations and different functions and different uh, names. Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth, Spirit of Might, Spirit of Wisdom, Spirit of the Fear of the Lord. It just goes on and on. The Spirit of the Lord is a designation and the best way to describe this is this way. It's the Lordship Spirit. And it has a, a, a Lordship authority over every other spirit. Every other spirit is under the Lordship of this Spirit. So when Jesus showed up, he said, the Spirit of the Lord. The Lordship Spirit is upon me. That's why... When Jesus showed up, when that lordship spirit is there, the demon said, why have you come to torment us before our time? Lordship spirit. And then he says, and he has anointed me. The anointing is to smear with oil. But it also has a purpose. The smearing with oil is the setting aside the consecration of a purpose for a specific work. And the anointing also is where we get the word Messiah or Christ. Christ is the anointed one. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me, lordship, and he has consecrated me and given me this influence and function in the spirit of the Lord. And he declared that a 30-year-old in a synagogue in Nazareth. And then it goes down what the world, the Lordship Spirit and that anointing is actually for. And this is the benefit of it. It's not for him. It's for other people. Now, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And then the next uh, verse there, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Peter, Simon Peter, is a frontline witness of the Spirit of the Lord and the anointing on Jesus, and he describes it as well. In Acts 10.38, how God, next slide, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and he calls it power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Would you say that with me? Healing 
all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Next slide. Do you know what healing all who are oppressed by the devil means? Healing means to cure and make whole. Oppressed means to exercise harsh control over one. The devil exercises harsh control over people. That's oppression. The devil, devil means false accuser and slanderer. He slanders you and lies to you about how valuable you are to God. Do you want to be free from oppression? Let's look at this next slide. This is going to go real quick, honey. We're going to have communion here in a minute. Preach the gospel to the poor. That's when you're broke. (laughs) Where you are, and these are the definitions, where you are beggarly, afflicted, helpless, and powerless to accomplish an end. It's like you got holes in your pockets. You can't ever get nothing done. Two, sent to heal the brokenhearted. Broken. Where you are broken to pieces. That's what that word means. Broken to pieces. This is where I really relate to Jesus. I really relate to Jesus being, I was broken to pieces. Three, preach deliverance to the captives. That's the word bound. Where you are a prisoner of war. One of those little insights, those moments you have when you're you're looking up the word captive and it goes prisoners of war. You go, oh my gosh. There's a war going on. Most people don't know it. Most people don't know it. They're just a prisoner of war that they grew up that way and they have no idea. But when Jesus shows up, suddenly there's this spiritual warfare going on around you and this, you, you know, you come, stuff starts happening because he doesn't want to let go. The devil wants to keep you in prison. He wants you locked up. Go ahead and say the gates of hell cannot prevail. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Four, recovering of sight to the blind. Blind, where you are mentally, emotionally blind. Now, this, he, he, he heals blind people, and there's different times when he opens up. But for most part, there's a whole lot in the Bible that talks about being mentally blind, emotionally, spiritually blind. Even removing the veil from their eyes so they can, when they hear the, so they can hear the gospel. Jesus said, if your eye is dark, how great is your darkness? You know, if you can see with your, he talks about blindness and not blindness. And to set at liberty them that are crushed or bruised, where you are crushed. I, I know about, uh, I was really, really did a dumb thing when I was a little, um, well, as a teenager. I snuck out the back door and I went to the front door and I tapped on the front door and my daughter, I mean my daughter, my sister, two years younger than me, she opens the door and I went, boo! I scared the snot out of her. And she started screaming and screaming and screaming. And my mother, who's extremely the kindest person in the world, became a mama bear and she picked up a broom and she came and she hit me. And I don't forget what charm, but she hit me. And there was a bruise there and it would, and for weeks it would jump up and down on the inside. It was agitated. I learned a lot. First of all, I learned never scare anyone ever again. 
And I have never done that. I go, no, because I have, a, I have an experience with that sin, the repercussions. But I also learned about bruises. And bruises, even though it can be healed, it looks like it's healed, it still can have this tenderness. Under, emotional bruises are like that. And I was carrying bruises into my 30s that I received when I was under 10 years old. I had emotional trigger points where if I had to like get, I didn't want to bump it. You know what a bruise is. You bump it and it feels like you just clobbered it all over again, the same level. Wham! You feel, just touch it and you feel like the broom hand, here it comes. That's how you feel. And in your heart, when you're crushed, how many of you know there's people that uh, you know their trigger points, so you got to walk on eggshells around them because they just, they're angry because they're wounded. And if you reenact whatever happened to them, they're going to bite your head off because they're broken inside. They're bruised inside. And Jesus says, I'm going to set at liberty those who are bruised. And the setting at liberty, when you look at all of that, it just basically means I'm going to take you through a deep process of forgiveness. I'm going to take you through such a deep process of forgiveness that I'm going to take... How many of you know Jesus was bruised for our iniquities? He was bruised for us. And he says, I'm going to go in and I'm going to take an iniquity. Give me a, let me tell you what iniquity is. Iniquity is somebody meant to do it to you. They planned it. And when somebody plans to hurt you, it hurts even worse. Are you there? He says, I'm going to take all of that out of you. I'm going to take the resentment of whatever they did to you and whatever you did back. Come on, isn't this amazing? I'm going to set liber- I'm going to cause you to be liberated from the very root causes of what bruised you. This is what the anointing and the spirit of the Lord is for. To go into the deepest place of your bruises. We're going to get into communion here in a moment, but I just want to go to one more. Recovery of sight to the blind. This is where where you're blind. Um, how many of you know what blind spots are? Have you ever experienced? Mine was this way. I was, I was going to uh, turn right, and I looked up, and I saw nothing. I saw nothing. And so I started to turn right, and the moment I started to turn right, there was a car right there. That's why I always look twice. Always look and I always look again, sometimes again. Because I, want to, I don't want to pull out in front of a car because I didn't see it in that little place that's the blind spot. The Lord used that moment to say something to me. He used my physical blind spot in a moment where I almost had an accident to teach me about mental and emotional blind spots. And he said these words very emphatically inside of me. He said, wounding creates blindness. And I was talking to a lady not too much after that, and she hated every man because she was betrayed by one man. She was blind to the goodness 
of every other man on the planet because she was hurt by one. She was wounded by one man. This happens a lot in the realm of earthly fathers projecting onto heavenly father. For the longest time, I would read the Bible and I would see the word God, the Father of the Lord Jesus, and it was just blank. It was not like, I didn't see anything about Father in it. I just saw vague, just vague. I didn't see the words Father of glory, Father of mercies, God of all comfort. It was just vague. I could only relate to Jesus. Because of the absenteeism or the lack of affirmation or the abuse. A father wound comes when something is not given to you that needs to go in. And the father role is an affirmation role where people, the father speaks who you are and awakens destiny in you and supports you that way. And when that doesn't happen, unmet expectations kill off and therefore, you don't trust God. You're not going to trust God. Why would you trust Him? You project that earthly, and this is called recovery of sight to the blind. It's a restoration of sight. That makes sense? I couldn't celebrate birthdays. I couldn't celebrate them. It was stolen from me. I was in my, this is a blindness. I couldn't see. I couldn't see that birthdays were good, that it was any celebration, really. Blindness. It was a wounding. What was the wounding? The wounding was the fact that I had all my friends have at my birthday, friends that didn't know each other, and I was exhilarated. I was so happy. And my dad walked in and said something I don't remember what he said, but he took all of the joy of the celebration of the birthday out of it. And I was embarrassed in front of my friends. Now, I didn't know that that was causing me to be blind to all everybody's birthday and my birthdays. And I didn't know that I was just blind but I was blind. And one day Heather said, Honey, why don't you ask the Lord why you don't celebrate birthdays? I said, That's a great idea. So I asked the Lord. And he instantly, this is the most beautiful thing about Jesus. He instantly says to me, Do you remember the joy you had that day and how deeply loved you felt? I said, Yes. He said, those weren't your emotions. Those were my emotions. I was pouring my love and my joy into who you were to me. And I said, but I didn't even know you then. He says, I know. I didn't get saved till about 10 years later. But he was telling me that it was his love that I was feeling. And then suddenly he gives me a picture. And I'm back in that house. I'm sitting Indian style on the floor. And he's sitting on the Indian style across from me. 
He just looks at me smiling and says, let's party. And he high fives me. And something went back in. Something changed me. And I started celebrating birthdays. And then on my 48th birthday, Heather and I went with a friend shopping for a washing machine. And we got back later that day, and this friend said, hey, let's run down to the store, the grocery store. Went down to the grocery store. He bought some chicken and some other things. And he said, hey, go get some candles. And he, was, he got a little cake. And I, I went and I found out that the candles had 24 to a pack. And I had to buy two packs of candles for a little cake. And I bought two packs of candles. I had 48 candles. And we were sitting there. We were eating the chicken. And now it's time to, to do the celebration of the birthday. And I'm, I'm putting all these. It looked like a little bonfire. <laughs> and uh, we sang happy birthday. And then I blew them out. And the Lord spoke. He said, Roger, a man stole your birthday from you, but I sent a man to give it back. And what got me was that he remembered that there was some more work to do in me that I didn't even know about. He recovers sight to the blind. Let's have our communion time. I didn't get into being bound. I didn't get into being broken. I didn't get into the other thing. But I feel like when the Lord showed me this, I began to work my way up from the bottom. You see, the acceptable year of the Lord now is the day of salvation, right? And what happens there? Let's go ahead and all partake. Uh, take, just take the bread and hold it in your hand, and we're going to invite the Lord to move in our hearts and do some things for us, okay? And uh, what I saw there was that if you add one more word that begins with the letter B, you can say blessed. So here's what the Lord's going to do with the Lordship Spirit. He's going to say, I'm going to bless you by removing the bruises from your life. I'm going to bless you by recovering your blindness and cause you to see me like you've never seen me before. I'm going to bless you by bringing you out of every place that you've been a captive. I'm going to take you out of prison. I'm going to bless you by healing every place in your heart that has been broken. That's my category. I was bound, oh, I was bound, I was bound, but I was shattered and broken in pieces. And how can you prosper if you're that busted up and that tied up and that blind? How can you prosper? Most people just survive 
and bury the woundings. They don't know what to do with them. But when you come to Jesus, He knows what to do. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Would you close your eyes and um, turn your imagination over to the Lord right now? Holy Spirit, come. I want to ask that you would go to the places, reveal memories. Go to take my beloved brothers and sisters to places where they were wounded, where they were crushed, where they went blind. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Close your eyes, just close your eyes. Let, let the Lord come to you. Holy Spirit, come. In your loving mercies, in your tenderness, in your just open the doors of your heart. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say words that might prompt stuff. A loss. It could be a loss a long time ago. Be a recent loss. But there's work the Lord wants to do in your heart to heal the place where you have had a loss. A loss. There's another word. The word is that's just the way it is. The Lord wants to heal heal the person who has camped out and said like put put like a like a cover or a lid over the wound and said that's just the way it is the Lord said no that's not the way it is with me I'm going to take the lid off and heal you I'm going to go in here and heal it lift the lid okay there's another word and it's abuse Abuse crushes people really quick. It cracks people. It crushes. It fractures. It wounds deeply. It causes a seething anger to be to foment in the recesses of the soul. Would you just go ahead and, with a loving spirit before the Lord, just worship Him and thank Him for the healing that's being released. The other word here is abandonment. I'm just going with what, when I look around the room and the Holy Spirit gives me a word, I'm going to say it. The Lord wants to heal. He's going to, okay, with the abandonment word, just go ahead and look to the Lord. Okay, for somebody, look, you were on your bed, you were little, and you felt all alone, and it became very scarring to you. And uh, something happened with a family member Jesus is going to come to your bedroom and bring healing to you right now. Would you open to that? Would you let the Lord come to that place where you feel abandoned? Because you're not in that, there's anointing right there. Just go ahead and, that might be several people. Let's praise the Lord for that. Uh, that He's going to heal the wounding 
of that unmet expectation for love. He's going to come and put love into that place where you were abandoned right now. Right now. Receive Jesus right now. Coming to that place where you felt abused and abandoned. Let's go ahead and receive that. There's a covering in the house now. Let's go ahead and let him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to keep going with these words. Neglect. You were neglected. And you got into a habit of believing that you were worthy to be neglected. And so you got into a cycle of neglecting yourself. The Lord is coming to you because when you were little, you got neglected. And Jesus is coming to that place where you felt that pain pretty strongly, like you were left out, like you were overlooked, like you were didn't matter. The Lord's going to heal that. Would you open to that? Let him come and heal that. Come and heal that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You've got to open your heart to it. Because when you opened your heart to the negative thing, the devil came in. When you opened your heart to the words of I don't matter, a devil came in to push that into you and to cause you to feel bitter. He came to lie to you about your value. But the Lord's coming today to rescue. You know why? Because Jesus sees you sitting on his knee and he is victorious. And he wants you to experience his victory of love and peace and grace deep inside of you. Let's go ahead and now praise the Lord. Would you just gently praise the Lord? Just praise the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stolen. Something was stolen. I think this is a relationship that was stolen. I think there's heartache in the situation right now because of the ache of feeling like something was stolen. You probably never thought of it like it was stolen, but the point is a relationship was stolen from you. The Lord wants to come, put his arms around you, fill you up with his love, take away the hurt of having been robbed of a relationship that was meaningful to you. There's grief involved. When you let a tear out, where you've been something uh, very meaningful has been stolen from you, the Lord comes to bring healing to that. You have to let go of the exasperation and the sense of weight and the sense of uh, torment or, or ag agony or feeling alone. These deep depressive words that uh, where you feel alone, abandoned, all that. The Lord says, I'm gonna come now. I want everybody in here to just sense Jesus himself coming and putting his arm around you right now. Let the Lord come and put his, his arm around you and draw you to himself. Would you do that? Would you do that? Holy Spirit, come manifest the love of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the healing grace of Jesus Christ here. We thank you for that. We receive that. We receive your love. He has the spirit of the Lord in his arm. It's a lordship spirit. 
and every other spirit that has tormented you will leave when his arm comes on you. His anointing is there and he's going to release healing into your soul. He's going to cure what oppressed you. Let's praise him right now. Would you praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The whole time you've had Jesus in the form of his body in your hand. Let's praise the Lord that his wholeness is in your hand and you're going to partake of his wholeness to fill up the brokenness and the emptiness and the, the, the hurt in the name of Jesus. Let's go ahead and receive. Partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and get the cup until all are served. Hold on to it for a second. Let's still go ahead and rejoice a little bit. Just praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let's praise Him. Would you just, just give gratitude? Spill out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And it says, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. In other words, they're going, I don't care if they kill me, I'll just be in Jesus' arms. I'm going to declare the testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done for me because his blood has cleansed me from my sins and shaken the bush of every demonic thing that has come after my life. I'm going to get to that one again some other time let's just lift the cup up this is so meaningful because this uproots bitterness this destroys resentment this uproots bitterness this destroys resentment the power of the blood is the power of forgiveness completely. It's Jesus saying, I'm taking everything you've done wrong and I put it to my account and I take everything I've done right and I put it to your account. That's what this is. It's complete forgiveness. Complete. Let's partake together. Oh, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, okay, I stand corrected. Is there anybody that you're wrestling to forgive? Wrestling to forgive a person? Holy Spirit, show every person in here. Is there somebody that you have a struggle forgiving? We're going to decree. I want to go ahead and say this. Kings were required in the Old Testament to take, make a copy 
of the law and read it every day. And there were all these benefits that happened. And he wanted them to write it down. And the new covenant in Jeremiah 33 says, I'm going to write down my, my law in your hearts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he says, you are living letters not written on hearts of stone, but on hearts of flesh. That Jesus says, I want to write the word forgiver on the walls of your heart. That you become exactly what I am. And I release the power of the blood of forgiveness through. And that you have new, you, 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 he's going to wash away with this. He's going to wash away the word bitter and write forgiver. He's going to take away the word resentful person and write forgiving person. Let's go ahead and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just to say, I choose to be just like Jesus, a forgiving person. By the power of his blood in me, I will not carry the bitterness anymore. That person is forgiven. Those people, oh gosh, man. Okay, gosh. The moment I said that, okay, it's a molestation. Somebody's molested. Say, I forgive the person who molested me. Just go ahead and say, I forgive the person. I forgive the person who violated me. I give the person, I forgive the person who wounded me, who hurt me, who violated me. I forgive you in the power of Jesus' name. In the power of Jesus' name. I forgive you. You are forgiven. You owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. Jesus forgives you. You are completely forgiven. In the name of Jesus, let's partake. We're going to pass these cups down very quickly, and we're going to stand together as soon as we do that. Hallelujah. Does anybody here feel like Jesus is caring about their souls? Thank you, Lord. As soon as you've passed the cup, go ahead and stand. Hug two people next to you. Just go ahead and give them a hug. Hug, folks. Hug this girl here. Give this one behind you a big old hug. Lord Jesus, we thank you for putting your arms around us today. And now we come and embrace you and embrace one another. And thank you for freedom, for healing, for victorious grace pumping into our souls. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And every place where you had begun the process, where you've begun the process, we declare Jesus will complete that work that he began in us. Let's go ahead and lift our voices and praise it. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for covering us like Boaz covered Ruth and accepted us into the covenant to be fruitful in you. We, we release this healing mantle to go with us in Jesus' name. Amen.